Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. And this is the show where we deconstruct how some of the highest performing recruiters and successful recruitment entrepreneurs have remained at the top, have been consistent with their success by deconstructing how they've approached leadership, uncovering their mindset, and so much more. In this week's episode, I was joined by Marius from SR2 Recruitment, who ended up building SR2's contract book from scratch in a market he's never worked in before. So we broke down how at the peak of his book, it got to six and a half weekly GP. We broke down exactly how he went about doing that and the challenges along the way. He's recently come to London to set up the SR2's London division. And we also broke down how he's gone about building a high performance culture and how he believes as a business they're able to hire consistently experienced recruiters and make them successful. Enjoy the episode. Marius. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, mate. Excited to be here. No, excited to uncover this journey of yours. Thanks for coming down. And I think, I know you listen to the podcast. Yeah, so big, big fan. You should, <laughs> you should probably know the first question. But where, where we would like to, to start is probably the question that you've really started to really think about as you're growing this London mm. team. Mm. So obviously that, that question is, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you really believe make up a a high-performing recruiter in, in today's market? Yeah, absolutely. So I've thought about this question quite a lot, and I know I've obviously listened to a lot of the guests on the podcast, and the standard things like resilience, yeah, hard yeah. working, like that obviously goes without saying. But I think outside of that, and what we've probably found SR2 and within my team is... Um, I think it's someone who's got like commercial acumen mm. and someone who's like, quite commercially astute. Because I think the successful recruiters I've seen treat their desk like a kind of business. Sure. And a lot of the work that we're doing SR2 at the moment in the contract team is around like selling like projects, selling solutions, right. quite tr- trying to think quite big picture and engage with quite senior stakeholders. And I think people that have got a bit of commercial acumen and maybe like a bit of a business brain, like really mm. do excel. Do you think, because this has come up a lot actually since mm. I've been having a lot of these learning development conversations, I do speak to owners and they're like, it'd be great if they did have a bit more commercial awareness. And, and typically the story is... We have Marius, he's been on the phone, and there was an opportunity in that conversation for mm. him to go, well, you know, you tell me you're having that challenge. Yeah. Have you thought about engaging us around that or whatever? You know, that just having that, like you said, that astuteness to go, well, let's, let's further the conversation, or like, have you thought about speaking to us about that? Do, do you think you can develop that, do you think? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think you absolutely can. Mm. I think um, for me, and I think maybe like the team, we're quite into like kind of like self-development. So sure. I think we're always sharing like podcasts or like yeah. a good book that we've read or obviously listening to like your podcast. And I think trying to learn from people and maybe look how people have done things successfully and kind of take inspiration from that. Yeah. So if you're at the start of your journey and maybe you're kind of not that aware, you can almost kind of look at who's doing well in the industry and then think about right, like right. kind of copying what they're doing. So yeah, so, yeah. yeah. so yeah, I guess you could probably influence it by making sure that the culture these people are in, yeah. they're being encouraged to, to learn, maybe think outside the box and yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So there's quite a lot we can go into here, right? Yeah. But I think obviously the, the key sort of themes for everyone listening that I definitely want to dig into today is really want to sort of break down that journey that you went on on, on building your contract book from scratch. I know a lot of people will sort of uh, want to learn from that. Then I think obviously the, the other part then is 
obviously you're now on this journey, you've obviously recently moved to London, mm -hmm. you're now obviously building out a team in London, so then talking about how sort of Maris has gone about building culture, how he thinks about culture and, and the things that um, are just really important to you as you grow that team, yeah. and I guess your journey with leadership and how that's going. So I guess why, why don't we sort of dig straight into the contract piece and talk about that. So I guess just to give people context, just talk to us a bit about before you got to SR2 recruitment, yeah. just really high level, what was the journey? Was you always doing just contract, permanent contract? Yeah. What was the markets you operated in? And how and then how long were you doing recruitment for before you joined SR2? And then we'll get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career... Uh, a company in Swindon, like on an actual like, recruitment apprenticeship. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, you're getting paid peanuts. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much at all. So I didn't really see that um, come up very often, but it's like getting in sales and learning sales. And there's a company called The People Network, and I was there for about a year and a half. And it was an interesting place because it was kind of generalist IT recruitment, contracts okay. and perm. Right. So it's good in the sense of I recruited literally anything. Like the market was UK, IT, contracts and oh perm. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so super wide and obviously quite a lot to get your head around. But during my time there, like speaking to developers, project managers, testers, DevOps yeah, yeah. people, just started to kind of get a bit of a picture of how stuff fitted together, like the sure. software development lifecycle. And probably didn't have like a market specialism, but just started to kind of understand IT quite generally. Mm. And I was there for a year and a half, knew that, I wanted to be in a business that was maybe a bit bigger, that maybe had more kind of like training. Yeah, um, yeah. And at that point, I moved from living at home to Bristol. Oh, wow. Why Bristol? So I looked at Bristol and London. I always had aspirations to go to London at some point. Yeah, but I yeah. thought Bristol was like a good like segue to good that. starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Oh, so did you have like mates and stuff in Bristol or not? Uh, some friends. All right. Some friends, yeah. And like from uh, where I was living, like kind of devises, like the obvious place if you were going right. like, to go out and stuff. So I went to Bristol and I like, really liked the city. Nice. But yeah, I went to Opus, uh, did like a kind of change and transformation desk there. Yeah. Was there for like a small period of time, like enjoyed my time there, but ended up leaving that business to join Panoramic Associates to essentially help them with their like insurance uh, transformation and change desk into the Lloyds market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to recruit in, that, in the insurance market. Yeah. yeah, yeah, an interesting space and was there for, I think about three years. Um, and was that contract and perm? That was uh, strictly contract. Just contract, okay, nice. Yeah, so that was kind of placing like business analysts, project managers, program managers, all that mm. stuff. And I guess some good learnings from that because I spent a lot of time like travelling up to London, doing lots of face-to-face -face meetings. Yeah, yeah, Because obviously in the Lloyd's market, like a lot of yeah, it's quite yeah, traditional. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> Still walking around with like huge folders of paper yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. But it's good, again, place to cut your teeth because you're spending lots of time with your candidates and you're kind of really starting to like kind of learn the space. Mm. And I guess obviously they're, are they, correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously that brand, they're quite well established aren't they like they're quite a big brand in terms of the amount of people and like how established they are yeah absolutely so I think now they're probably like around like 150 people oh wow okay and they've got like different divisions you do like IT insurance yeah, yeah. Um, like public sector and stuff but yeah in enjoy my time there learnt some really good stuff but what I found in that role is the London insurance market is so incestuous and the London agencies were, were so on it. Yeah, I, I thought I, th I thought being in Bristol, going into London, we're kind of on the back foot a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So I was actually looking to, to maybe set up an office for them and to, to, to move to London. But it's quite random how SR2 came about because I ripped my kind of business plan, set up the London office, yeah. knew Alicia through a friend of friend who set up SR2, yeah. called her to say 
can I just get some two cents on my business plan? I've got to present it to my yeah. directors and you've obviously recently set up business. And that, that kind of sparked a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And then I kind of uh, met Chris through that and ended up taking a bit of a segue and obviously joining SR2 to set up their contract division. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that. And so what did, obviously, I've had Chris and Alicia on the show, actually. So like, yeah. what, what did SR2 look like when you joined? Yeah, absolutely. Like how many people was it and um, how long have they been going for? Yeah, so I think, I, so I joined from memory, I think like April 2019. Okay. And I think it was like just under 10 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they had like no, Chris and Alicia, had they previously done contracts? Have they managed people with contract before or like you're literally going to start their contract division from scratch pretty much? Yeah, absolutely. So the business was very much predominantly perm at that point. Oh, wow. And, and all of their backgrounds were perm. Yeah. We had done some contract business, but it was more a case of like, we'd done a really good job with some clients. Yeah, yeah. They'd given us contract work and we'd filled it as opposed to like actively actually going out and winning stuff. Yeah, yeah. So let, the first thing that I'd love to just, I guess, just talk to you a bit about was, like, I think the difference if you're a contract recruiter is like, if you leave you're just walking away from a lot more, aren't you? Yeah. Because you've, you've, you've absolutely worked your nuts off to build your weekly GP, yeah. build that contract book. So then when you leave, you're walking away from guaranteed money that you know you had. So I guess yeah. let's just talk a bit about that because like, what, what was your experience with that? Like, There was no guarantee that mm. the SR2 journey was going to go well. Yeah. How do you, how do you <laughs> process that? Because there'll be people listening that, I don't know, they may think, you know what? I do feel like I could grow more or the environment that I'm in now, I'm not sure I want to be in the next five years, but yeah. I'm really worried about walking away from this book that I built. Like, How did you go about dealing with that, do you think? Yeah, it's a really good question. And to be honest, like, it, it, it was hard. Was it? Yeah, it was hard. It's it, like a really big decision. But I think I, I very much saw it as like a career move over like a long period of time. Yeah. I very much went into it with open eyes, knowing that maybe my impact's going to be earning like, sorry, earnings were impacted like year one and year two, yeah, but yeah. year three, year four, it's like um, kind of so like, Hopefully if it goes well, then it should pay off. Yeah, absolutely. And there was actually a point, like I think like six months into SR2, I might have called my dad and I was like, I've made the wrong decision potentially. <laughs> really? I'm really struggling to get my contract book up. Like yeah, my yeah, earnings yeah. last year were this and now they're this. And he was like, you just got to stick at it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's quite natural. Like, How do you deal of, with like money wise? Because I'm sure you had like Marius, the contract recruiter doing well yeah. lifestyle. Then SR2, I'm on a startup, like, oh, fuck, I can't, can't, go, can't be uh, buying the bottles with the boys when I'm out. Yeah. And start, like, what, how did you do that? Probably not very well. <laughs> probably continued the lifestyle. Really? You probably, tried to maintain the lifestyle? Yeah, probably Fucking got hell. quite a lot of debt racked up. And then obviously I had to like, try and pay that all off. But it's almost <laughs> like a bit of positive pressure, you know, like um, putting myself in that situation where I had to earn money and I kind of had yeah, to yeah. Like, obviously rise to the challenge. Yeah, yeah. When do you think was the moment where you're like, I made the, no, I'm, I'm glad I made this decision, do you think? Because I think that'd be good for people to understand because we'll go into the challenges. Yeah. But like, just as we're on this, was it like 10 months into you're like, no, dad, actually, no, I'm pleased that I did. I don't know, yeah. how long did it take, do you think? Yeah, I, I'd probably say like 10 months to a year. Really? Yeah, genuinely. Because I think, um, like I said, it was predominantly perm business. Setting up the contract division from scratch w w was like challenging. Obviously, hiring people and creating that culture, and mm. it's not something that you can just do overnight. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, it has absolutely paid off, and it was 100% the right decision. But I probably said like 10 months to a year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good for people to hear, isn't it? Like, yeah. Obviously, I'm sure there's certain things that you want to look out for in that period to go. Not sure it's going to play out, but I think to give it a real fair crack to go, you know what, I've given it a year yeah. and it's not where it should be or I'm, no, I'm actually haven't got that feeling of, no, this could be 
big or I'm excited by it is probably a good time frame. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I've interviewed quite a lot of people and they're obviously doing well where they are now. But I guess they could potentially see the uh, potential of joining SR2 and the growth and like markets. Like, yeah. They're like, yes, it could be more exciting. I could probably do better here. It's probably a better career choice. But maybe they're, they're quite hung up on what's my basic going to be like tomorrow? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what am I going to earn like month one, two, three, four? And it's like almost taking yourself like, think about year three. Year three, yeah. You've got to think of it a bit, more, a bit more longer term, a bit more of like a career choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let, let's talk about, let's unpack this journey then. So just to sort of so people understand the context. So obviously it was a, uh, it was a predominantly perm business. Yeah. You went in there to build out their contract book. So in terms of, the, the market, I'm assuming it was tech, right? And then you've ended up doing a lot in the public sector, is that right? Is yeah. That the, is that how the, is that what you ended up doing? Yeah, yeah, so it's quite, um, yeah, I guess like an unconventional, like, well, kind of where it ended up going. So business predominantly perm, predominantly like private sector tech. Yeah. And initially I was very much focused on like what clients were SR2 working with, who's, yeah, who's sense, the decision makers within those clients and introduce like, myself what contract roles do they have yeah get in there, exactly yeah. like yeah the, the low hanging fruit um, and I guess had like some success with that but I think I found the markets that they're opening from like a contract perspective were really saturated and there's lots and lots of agencies that are doing kind of like just standard like tech recruitment yeah yeah so it's just like I, I didn't have like huge huge success but there was a few clients that we were dealing with within the public sector that I kind of built relationships with and, and started to do contract recruitment for them and, and, and built a really good relationship. And I guess during that process, started to kind of uncover, like, who are these companies' competitors? Who else is growing right. within this market? Like, what's the drivers within this space? Like, and I kind of mapped that out and and then started to actually predominantly build the contract book within this space, yeah, yeah. which is quite different to what SR2 had done traditionally, which is yeah, more yeah, private yeah. sector. Okay. And since then, we've kind of built out the, the, the public sector division significantly, and then now we're almost retrospectively kind of building out the private sector contract division alongside it. Yeah, okay, nice. Yeah. All right, cool. So let, let, let's talk about this for a sec. So, so obviously you said it probably took around 10 months to a year to build mm. traction. Mm. At what point did you sort of really start to go, actually, there, there could be some really good growth opportunity here in, in the public sector like it seemed like you sort of fell into that a bit organically and then you recognized the opportunity so as you said as we started this commercial astuteness or commercial awareness is, is big so like talk to us a bit about the signs of what you started to pick up on a notice on where you then you started going hang on a minute like this could be a whole yeah sort of um market in itself or what i need to double down on like what were the signs yeah absolutely so i think like Typical like triggers that it's a good market, like it's candidate short, mm. like high growth. Maybe it's like not actually that saturated in terms of like other recruiters doing it. Yeah. And I guess speaking to candidates, they had lots going, lots going on, and there was lots of companies that were like growing really quickly, and the companies that were growing at that time were like quite small. Okay. So it wasn't like we're trying to break into like huge PSLs. Yeah, it yeah, might yeah. be a company that's like five, ten, fifteen, twenty people that've right. got these really ambitious growth plans. So like I kind of mapped out like who are all the players within the space, who are all the decision makers within the space. And then when you say map out, like just so we get a granular here, because everyone <laughs> says map out your market. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. When you say, because I'm sure you help the guys and girls with it now. So like, yeah. that process is it, is it as simple as going on LinkedIn, looking at the people, finding out who like is that literally what you did, and then you just like just really try to gather all that knowledge, yeah, and then sort of work away. Is that is that how you did that? Kind of, but a lot of the really 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 exciting businesses are like 
the not obvious ones. Okay, interesting. So, like, if you look to them on LinkedIn, they might be, like, literally a handful of people, so you might not think they're that right, exciting. Right, 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 So I think it's just the kind of general really good contract recruitment. Like, when you speak to a candidate, you're doing, like, CV stripping. Yeah, yeah. You're asking them, like, obviously, what else have they got going on? Who are they speaking to? And just being, like, really granular, trying to use your candidates to get as much, like, kind of market information as possible. And then maybe when you're speaking to your clients, asking them, like, who's your competitors within this space? Mm. And within the consultancy world, uh, consultancies will partner with other consultancies on bids. Right. So it might be that we're doing loads of recruitment for one consultancy in the data space, but they might outsource all their tech development stuff to another consultancy. Right, okay. So building relationships with the kind of like directors of these consultancies, they can say, actually, this company's doing similar mm. stuff to us, you go and speak to them. Yeah, yeah. And basically just like systematically did that again and again and again and again. And there's probably got like a list of like 50. Yeah. And then we've just kind of worked through that list worked of 50. That list. Yeah. Okay, cool. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but like I feel like if you're a good contract recruiter, you're good at all those things that you just said, but I could do all of that, get the list, but and then I could be just really terrible at like actually getting business from these 50 yeah. people. So, so let, let's just talk a bit about what's been like the most consistent and effective way of marriage to get into these 50 accounts that you've gone, you know what, these may not be the most exciting businesses right now, but they, they bloody well could be. Yeah. Like what, I know you said building relationships and these things, but like what has ended up being yeah, that consistent and effective way of, of getting into these accounts, do you think, that's really worked for you? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system. For those of you that haven't seen where have you been if you haven't seen this news already? But I just wanted to, to jump on and just say a huge congratulations to Vincherry, who recently joined forces with the Access Group, partners with a heavyweight who share their vision of providing a single operating system for the front, middle, and back office for growing recruitment firms across the world. So what does that mean? Vincherry have the same people, the same vision, just way more firepower and resources to make Vincherry even better. So if you have not checked out Vinny already, please go and do so. Use the link in the show notes. You will not be disappointed. And of course, because you're going to be going through the podcast, you'll be looked after and you'll get your exclusive savings. Check it out. And again, huge congratulations to Vincherry. So I think for me, it's like, I guess, like being like kind of market specialist, like okay. really understanding like the drivers in the market. I'd say like just really good email approaches really? have been like genuinely quite, quite decent. Like I understand you've won this project. I understand you might need to fill, hire all these roles. I understand the project's doing X, Y, and Z. We've just delivered this project for your competitor. Here's yeah. a testimonial. And here's actually like an example team that have delivered this, this type of projects in the past oh, wow, okay. that have got all of the relevant skills. And if you're sending that to like a managing director or a director of a consultancy and you're name dropping a, a competitor and, yeah, you, and you've yeah. got re credibility really good CVs and then you're calling them up and saying, I've just sent you this email and you're talking through that, like immediately you're kind of having a conversation at this level yeah, yeah. rather than just like mail shotting a random developer to yeah, them. Yeah, like ones and, you're not talking ones and twos, you're talking about, Maris, how can you support us deliver this project or how can you yeah. provide the talent that we need over the six, 12 months? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's one aspect of it. But I think as a team, we've really tried to um, think about how we can like consistently add value to our clients. So okay. I think a lot of, I guess recruiters would be quite transactional in the sense that 
we'll get a job, place a job, get a job, place a yeah, job, yeah, yeah. which is great. But that's almost like kind of like level one. For us, we're thinking like we run these tech leadership meetups. So a lot of our best clients, we've actually had When did them. you start those? Um, I'd say like probably like, like nine, ten months in. Okay, nice. So we run um, like leaders in tech is like a more private sector one. The leaders in government is our more public sector focused one. We run these industry panel events and we speak to our candidates and clients and say like, what what are hot topics at the moment? Yeah, and they yeah. might we talk say, about what's top of mind. Yeah, absolutely. They might say like managing teams remotely yeah, and, get, yeah. and, and, and kind of like delivering projects successfully. So it's highly relevant to the clients. So we'll speak to our clients and say, do you want to appear on this podcast? Some of your competitors appear on there. So it's kind of free PR for them. It's great for like the actual managers, like personal yeah. brands. And they can obviously get like a bit of an insight to maybe what some of their competitors are doing. Yeah. So it's like actually adding value. And then we do other things where we might have placed 20, 30 contractors with this company. And then we're saying, how do you actually like manage your contractors from like a performance perspective? And they'll be like, well, we kind of check in. And we'll be like, well, as an agency, we can check in with the contracts every month, put that feedback in like a really like eligible format, okay, maybe like nice. a spreadsheet, and idea. then provide it back to them. Yeah. So we're trying to like help with like performance management. And there's loads of like things we've done as a business to like try and add value to our clients above and beyond just, just fin- like fi- filling jobs. Yeah, yeah, nice. And I think having that kind of... Um, that focus has allowed us to become like the exclusive suppliers with a lot of the, with a lot of these companies and instead of place ones and twos we might be on 120 deals of one yeah, yeah. 80 deals of another yeah, like because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're like a kind of real partner for them yeah yeah i love that yeah so what what was your at the i don't know like how it's working now with you being the leader and, and all these things but like yeah. what like at the height of like where you were just concerned about your own billings most of the time yeah what was the height of your book and then we can just revert i, I know people would want to go just want me to ask you things like okay well when you got up to like 15k weekly G- um, gp what were you doing differently in these things but like what what was it at the height just for context for people yeah i think maybe like 16 16 and a half yeah yeah okay so a few, few things here. i know what people would love me to ask is one what the hell did your day plan look like at that stage and how did you structure that because i'm sure there's a mm. lot going on yeah um but i guess let me just start firstly with like as you went on that journey what would you say you're speaking a lot around like that mindset of adding value getting into clients mm. like what would you say were the main differences like you were doing maybe day to day or the things that you really doubled down on when you was sort of getting to that point of 16 16 and a half compared to six seven eight week, yeah. weekly gp do you know what i mean what would, i don't know if there's any key things in there but i know people would want me to ask that yeah absolutely i think um when we started off we we're probably like doing the standard like fake it to make it okay so we're probably approaching these clients and saying we're the specialists yeah, yeah. we deliver all these projects we work with all these companies and like trying to like create this kind of like facade that we're like the absolute go-to company yeah, yeah, yeah. and then fast forward like 12 months we actually became that company. Yeah. We actually worked with all the top clients. We actually delivered all the big projects. We actually had all these testimonials. Right. And I guess at that kind of at that point, that's where we really started to see success because the emails and the approaches that we were sending, they actually were genuine. Yeah, and yeah. there was a whole team ready, and we did have like some some solid testimonials from their competitors. So 
it was actually having like a really good response rate. So basically, you just worked your absolute socks off to build credibility, and then you actually, you, yeah, you, you you earn that credibility. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more work that you do within a space, you can obviously start to build like a really strong personal brand. And yeah, yeah. obviously, talking about kind of like me quite a lot, but but absolutely the the team that we that we built, like myself and Jack and Chris and everyone, we essentially aligned several vertical specialism within these clients that we recruited in. Right. And then they all became like the like kind of becoming the go-to people within those markets mm. so they're trying to build their personal brand and, and they're doing meetups and, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. trying to do like linkedin stuff so if everyone's doing that and we're all trying to win similar clients mm. we've just got like so much noise so what, what i'll take from that and for people listening is like you always hear it but like you have to take your reputation seriously yeah so like when so like you, as you were sort of hopefully getting to the point like you said where you had great testimonials you got the credibility work with some of the best clients mm. Like if you tried to cut corners or you didn't do the right thing or whatever yeah. leading up to that, you wouldn't have then got all that traction. So yeah. like even though when you maybe think like you're not getting anywhere or whatever, you still have to, it seems like, really stick to your reputation and think about the long game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's all good and well, like working with consultancies and, and having success in this space. But fundamentally, if you're like an exclusive uh, supplier to these these companies and you don't deliver the team they're obviously liable for all these costs. Yeah. So it's great, but it's like with great power comes great responsibility yeah, yeah, kind of sure. thing. So you can't not fill the roles. So mm. there's loads of times where you've absolutely got to put like, in loads of hours, you've mm. got to put in the graft. If you have dropouts, you yeah. absolutely have to like replace them yeah, with, with yeah. decent people. And as a team, like you've got to actually really take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't just send a, send a CV of someone who's like, all right, but probably, has, probably is going to drop out because yeah. it's going to impact their project massively. So... I think just sending really quality people and um, just taking it seriously, to be fair. And, I think yeah, you, yeah, yeah. and clients will absolutely notice that. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a case recently where Andy, one of our guys, was working on a really senior role, was interviewing all the candidates via Teams before he put them forward to the client. Had this great candidate on paper, put them forward, had this interview booked in, and then he did the interview on Teams and then just thought, Nah, he's just not going to be right. Really? Called the client and was like, I'm pulling him out. Did another interview. The guy came across really well, was really genuine, said, right, we'll put him in. And he got the job. And the All client right. was like, I respect that so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not just trying to like slam anyone else, yeah, like yeah. slam someone into our team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let, let, let's unpack really quickly then before we get into the leadership, Pete. Let's unpack day plan then. How the hell did you go about like just managing your day at the height of things, maybe compared to when you were just like maybe a bit more all over the place and like what, yeah. what did your day plan look like on that when you were like 16, six and a half yeah. a week? It's a really good question. I'd love to have a really good answer to this. <laughs> just, just give us what, yeah, just what, um, what, it looked, what a typical day would look like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess at that point it's probably very resourcing heavy because okay. we, we kind of had, like we'd got to a point where we'd won the clients that we needed to win. Yeah, yeah. So it's very much just 100 miles an hour trying to kind of like fill the jobs. So I guess probably quite, quite resourcing heavy. There was a lot of kind of meetings with clients discussing like, right, like this demand or like this project coming up. Mm. At, I guess at my peak of billing was, the, was the time I had like the biggest team from management perspective. Right, okay. So you I guess like 2021 well. is when I had my kind of best book, but that's when we kind of grew the team and I was managing the most people. So a lot of I guess was like checking in with the team, making sure that everyone had. Hey, but how did you manage that with all that? Because that's what a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Like, did you set boundaries with the team? Did you like like how did you go about making sure like all your time didn't get? Obviously, it should hopefully benefit you and everyone else involved yeah. in the long term, but. 
obviously if you're you're responsible for that and like you said you clearly take your reputation seriously mm. how did you manage that whilst also growing and managing the team time-wise I think we've been I want to say like lucky but I guess we've done it like time and time again but whenever we interview people we try and get people on like the upward trajectory of their careers yeah, yeah. and it's quite hard to like know who is like an SR2 person quite hard mm. to kind of like define it but I think we've done a really good job of hiring people most of them have been experienced yeah. but there are like motivated that wants to do well and they're like a kind of good humans they've got kind of like good values and stuff so I think hiring people that have got experience putting them into this environment kind of showing them what's possible showing them standard like yeah. getting them to become like an industry specialist and then I guess like kind of delegating responsibility yeah, to people yeah, yeah. and empowering them and so obviously people, with the, if you're getting them on that upward trajectory they they probably value autonomy quite a lot don't they yeah absolutely and they're super motivated they want to do well jack worked really closely with me as and, and kind of helped me to manage that team but i think we just kept like delegating and empowering people and kind yeah, of giving yeah. them responsibility yeah. so it's not about me at all it's mm. about everyone else and everyone else has kind of like managed their own stuff and also i'll check in and kind of help and sitting on calls and meetings and stuff but you kind of want to get to a point whereby you almost don't need to be there and the team's like actually yeah, kind of yeah. managing itself and if someone's having a tricky call, someone's going to jump in and be like, actually, this is how we do things or this, we yeah, should yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah. And obviously that takes time, but I think it's quite fortunate, like the team is, I guess, like so strong and like so cohesive that it doesn't need as much managing as you think. Yeah. I think obviously um, in London, obviously it's, it, it's kind of a, a newer time and it's a bit fresher and obviously hiring like trainees and graduates, like that's a slightly different story. Yeah. And it would take time to get to a point where we had it in Bristol. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I want to go into the leadership piece, but I, ha- I have to ask, I think I said to you before we started, didn't I, that I think what, what I'm taking from our chat so far is you've just been relentless. Yeah. <laughs> like you've got high standards, you're like that you've really committed to making it work. Yeah. And it's obviously paid off. But tell us obviously as I said to you, I spoke to a couple of your colleagues. Um, I was like, What what would you love me to ask? Uh Marison. <laughs> yeah. Obviously Alicia highlighted this story where you pretended to have a ticket for like a conference <laughs> or something and you yeah. drove up to Wales just to try and get in front of someone. Like yeah. tell us tell us a bit about this story because I think there might be something people could take from this. This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. Like always, I think the best way to hear about a product and how it's had a positive impact on a recruitment business is by listening to the customers who've invested in the product. But before you hear a really great soundbite from Ben Broughton, who is the founder of Premise, who we've actually had on the podcast, there's a good chance right now if you're a recruitment business owner that you're hiring. Your clients have loads of jobs. You need more people to help deliver on these jobs. So you're probably thinking, one, how can I hire more people? And two, how can I get more people up to speed doing more deals quickly? Well, in this short soundbite, you're going to hear how investing in the right tech, having the right tools can absolutely impact your speed to competency and get likely your trainees that you're going to hire up to speed more quickly. So have a listen to Ben. And as always, if you like what you hear, go and check out Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes. You will be stupid not to, and uh, you will get an exclusive deal and money off the product if you go through the Recruitment Mentors podcast. So go and check it out. Enjoy. Saucy B, Sourcebreaker, huge, huge fan. Oh, mate, love, love it. Absolutely love it. Adam and Steve down there, brilliant, brilliant product. 
I've been a massive champion and ambassador of it since it was a bloody spreadsheet, God knows how many years ago, to, to the incredible product that it is today. Sorted Bid is brilliant for, we were talking about that kind of growth and scale, bringing new consultants into your business, trainees, that product will help them be more effective quicker. We did, I did some crazy ROI stats in terms of bringing, bringing rookies to the business, getting them using Sourcebreaker, the Boolean tools, the MI chasing, all that kind of stuff. Absolute no-brainer for your business. Yeah, so I guess that was probably like the initial stages whereby like we saw an opportunity in the market, we knew um, the clients we wanted to work with, but we didn't have that credibility. Yeah. So I guess it is that kind of like fake it to make it. So there's one company in particular hiring loads of contractors and I knew the guy who was doing it and like literally tried everything like reference call yeah, or like, yeah, like sending, all the classic sending stuff. a really good email, like just like cold calling him loads, like approaching via LinkedIn, everything like commenting on his LinkedIn yeah. status and saying, Oh great, really interesting. Just nothing worked. And then he posted saying I'm speaking at uh, SwansiaCon. Okay. And then I messaged him saying, Oh great, I'm gonna be there. Like, <laughs> can't wait to hear your talk about like Kubernetes and stuff. And then he actually came back and he was like, oh, like, just random, you're there. It's like a really techie conference, but great. Like, well, well um, I'm happy to meet for a coffee. And then afterwards, I was like, I've actually now got to get a ticket. <laughs> so it went online, the tickets were sold out. Oh, wow. And I contacted the ticket organiser and he was like, yeah, we're absolutely sold out. So then I had to um, drive to Swansea. Well, you didn't have to, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, obviously, I've, right, got, to I've go. got to go. there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's an opportunity to meet the sky face-to-face, and obviously, he thinks I've got a ticket. So um, I drove to Swansea and then waited in the lobby and messaged him saying, oh, like, um, I've just literally stepped out from the, from, 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 from the event, just having, five, just having five minutes. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll come, um, I'll come and meet you outside. And then had this meeting with him, and obviously... Yeah, it just kind of like it went fairly well, but essentially he was like, "Don't have any like immediate needs." And I think like a kind of good question I asked him was like, "Yeah, fine, but we're doing loads of work in this space. If there's ever a candidate, if I see, I should call you about who are they?" Yeah. And then he was like, "If you ever see this person, right. then, then give me a call." So you found out. And, you found out what he values or yeah, what the type what, of skill set and people. That, yeah. Okay. What his needs, and then went back found that person, then called him up and I was like, I've got the person. He was like, oh, great, let's, let's have a chat. There we go. And that kind of built into a relationship. Love that. Uh, That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, mate. So let, let's talk about this journey you've been on, I guess, leadership, team, culture, these things. So I guess as you've, like you said, you, you started to build out the team in Bristol. Mm. And then when did you obviously move to London? It was only recently, wasn't it? Yeah, literally December last year. December last year, cool. Mm. And obviously now, it's, is it you and Jack, isn't it, that are really responsible for growing the SR2 London footprint, really? Yeah. And I guess thinking there is, you had a lot of London-based clients, I'm assuming, and yeah. I guess, it, like you said, you'd always like the idea of getting to London, mm. but now you can just be in the mix of it and you can go out and see people really easily and just be really on the ground. Yeah. Yeah? How are you thinking about culture then? So I guess first question maybe to uncover some of this and how you think about it. Like what, what would you say, like the, I don't know, the, the three non-negotiables or three key pillars you think that make up or contribute to a high-performing culture within a recruitment team, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. I think having a team of like, like-minded people mm. and, like I said, trying to get people on the upward trajectory is really critical because I think when everyone's on the same page, everyone wants to do well, everyone's really supportive, yeah. everyone's really bought into the vision and the why, That's it, it kind of allows you to achieve amazing things. But I think if we'd have had two or three people on the team that are turning up late, weren't really fussed, 
didn't take the job mm. seriously. That would just dilute the whole thing. Okay. So I think it's hard to obviously get that, but trying to have a group of like-minded people who are really passionate and like motivated is 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 one thing. So um, like standards. So really, really stay true to your standards and, and make sure they're maintained and no one, as you said, is diluting them or bringing those standards down. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And then I think I guess like secondly is just trying to be really clear on like what those standards are okay so i'm communicating them yeah like kind of what are the expectations and stuff and ratiba client success manager did a really good session recently where it was like um temperature checking our culture and then kind of working out what are like non-negotiables our team and he was basing it all around like the all blacks and like they're yeah, like nice. 12 things that they have love that so he did this whole session and, and as a team we're Who's like this one of your colleagues yeah like what do we stand for as a team yeah, yeah, nice. like what and we actually like kind of writ it all out and then we can kind of like refer back to that it's almost like kind of having like, like like a bit of like a like running it's like a bit of like a sports team yeah, kind of yeah vibe. for sure well all agreeing that this is what we live by and this is what we what yeah. our standards are like you said there's no now everyone knows so like yeah. if they're not up to that then why not and let's talk about it or if they keep showing that they're not that then maybe they're people that we need to protect the standards right and the culture yeah okay absolutely and then just trying to think what the third thing would be i think like again like what's what's been quite good about the um the kind of contract team is because we've had these clients that are kind of giving us roles. When people join, we can give them like quite a warm landing, warm landing yeah. and actually like kind of help them and 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 kind of give them like a little bit of like success initially by by filling some jobs. And the team again is is bought into everyone's individual success as well. Right. So if someone's doing well, everyone's happy. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. a culture whereby like it's like oh like, I don't want him to do well because it's like really competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think again, just like supporting your team wanting them to do well helping them to do well and then kind of getting everyone in in, in in like a similar mindset yeah nice so i think i remember asking chris this but it'd be good to get your take on it i think from most of the recruitment company owning conversations i've had they would typically say oh, i'd rather i would prefer to like grow our own talent rather than sort yeah. of take on people that have got experience recruitment experience and, and typically just really high level the sort of assumption is i can hire hire marriage he's got three years experience but he could come with a lot of bad habits and um we don't want that or yeah. like we could really try and instill what we want him to do but he just can't shake it off blah 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 so like what why do you think you've been like you said you you guys have done a really good job of hiring people on the upward trajectory yeah which means typically people with experience how have you done that well do you think like how how have you not had people that just have bad habits and they can't shake them off and yeah. damage your culture rather than add to it like how have you done well at ex- hiring experienced people do you think i think in our interview process there's like three stages usually so okay. myself and jack did the initial one and i think like tr- trying to hire like good humans mm. so people obviously that's one of our kind Why of, is that like, important? non-negotiable values i think just h- hiring people that got good values people that are decent people and i guess people that will kind of like uphold like what we kind of stand for okay. and i think like throughout the interview process me and jack did the initial one and then two of the team members will do the next one okay and we actually really value like their input yeah so it might be that me and jack are like we kind of like them we might get them to meet the team mm. and they might give us some really good feedback and mm. say look i don't think they're right for this reason so we, we actually really value that and then finally like chris would do the final stage and 
again, it's hard to say like what we've kind of looked for and how we've managed to do it. But uh, one of our other values is like, don't be a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, and again, fair. it's just trying to hire like decent people yeah, that yeah. are on the upward trajectory. And then when they come in, just trying to like, I guess, show them what standards we've set. And then I guess give them like, look, X has joined. He's 12 months in. He's beat all of his career best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now running 12 grand a week. This is what he did to get there. You've obviously done quite well in your own business, but we, we want to kind of take you on this journey. Sure. And then I guess just trying to like take people on that journey. Okay, fair. Yeah. So again, it comes back to standards, doesn't it? And really making sure you protect the values. And But what surely it hasn't always been clean sailing or no. plain sailing, sorry. So like... Yeah. How have you gone about like nipping in the bud? Like people just like yeah, hundred percent going like hang on a minute now, like that isn't how we do things, or yeah. we're not going to stand for that. Yeah, so I think there's been like a small, small handful of people that we've hired, and quite quickly it's been obvious that it's it's kind of like not a good match. So let's just talk about that. Not specific people, but like what makes it obvious? Is it you're just hearing them talk on the phone like nah, that's that's not? Is it have you tried to help them and they just really haven't listened? Yeah, I think there's a few things. I think just general like just like real negativity maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think just like people that are just generally quite negative, like glass yeah. always half empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe people that are not willing to kind of like change and not willing to like kind of accept like help and training maybe. Uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Like obviously we absolutely value like what experience people have in the past and we want people to come in like share their ideas and stuff. But maybe if they have like a certain bad habit and we're like, we do things this way, this is why I'm having some really good success. And they're like, yeah, no, but I've always done it this way. <laughs> so I guess yeah, okay. those types of people, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite obvious quite quickly that if, is there, if there's a bit of a clash. But I think you have got to fail fast. And it's the most uncomfortable th- th- thing in the world, obviously, getting rid of people. However, the longer that you do keep hold of people, it's not good for them. It's not good, not for, good for you. And then equally, it might kind of dilute what you've got as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's hard. And I think sometimes you might not always make the right decision by getting rid of someone. But I think you do have a bit, a bit, bit of a gut feel. Most of the time, you're probably right. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as we come to an end, then, like, let, let's talk a bit more about the future and, and what's on the horizon then. So obviously, London in December. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, I went to the office. Obviously, initially, it was like an office of, like, what, five or six, seven people, and then you've got the bigger space. Yeah. So I guess, firstly, just, just curious, what's been, like, difficult so far that maybe you least expected? I'd say, like... Managing the team that I have done in Bristol is obviously a very experienced team. And obviously coming into London, you're obviously hiring like a new group of people. Yeah. And you're obviously, again, trying to kind of like recreate what you've created before. Yeah. So I think trying to like reverse engineer and work out like how do we actually do what we did, what contributes to that, and then obviously trying to like implement that. I think from like a general, like bringing like grads in and training them, it's not new because we have done academies in Bristol but it's not something that I'm like absolutely the best person yeah, yeah, really yeah, polished sure. at. Because again, I guess my kind of background has been more kind of bringing in experienced people. So that's, I guess like it's a challenge, but it's a really also, good challenge. Yeah, and a good learning experience. Absolutely, yeah. And we've got people on like a 12-week like training program. Yeah. So it's like a positive challenge and I'm kind of ex- excited to learn, yeah, but it's yeah, definitely yeah. been different. And then what, what's been... Um What's been like a real positive so far? Any highlights so far? Yeah, I think, um, I guess just from like a home perspective, like when we're coming... How many are there now? So we've got, I think, the 13 now. Yeah, nice. And then we've got got some good critical mass then already. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got like multiple people in the process across like different uh, roles. But I think when we were looking at London, when we moved to London, like the consensus was like, the market's really good. Way harder. Anyone who's decent is building good numbers. It's really hard to hire people that have got experience. Mm. You have to do pure grads. And then we came... 
and we've actually managed to hire loads of really good experienced people. Mm. Yeah, like, is that, yeah. do you think, I, I think it's fair to say that, I don't know, most people outside looking in, I think you guys have done a really good job of building brand. Yeah. Do you think that that's really helped you guys cut through the noise and you're living by, I guess now, because I feel like if I'm an experienced recruiter and I look at your business, mm. like there's, you've, and I sit in front of you, like there's so many people you can now point at to yeah. go, yep, he was where you was, this is now where he is. Yeah, yep, she absolutely. was where you are. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because I feel like you've really got that track record now yeah. that probably massively helps and I'm assuming you really make sure you communicate say, hey, look, I know it will be, I know you're walking away from a lot or it's going to be scary, but... Yeah this is what it could look like if you're prepared to put in what we're going to put in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, like, we haven't t- like, t- talked about this that much, but SR2 is a business, like, doing the, the people over profit mentality, yeah, yeah. 5% of profits to, like, underrepresented charities, do, like, the volunteering, do loads of stuff around, like, diversity and tech, mm. do loads of stuff, like, helping underrepresented groups get into coding, do lots of stuff with charities, helping them partner with individuals to do like tech support. Yeah. So there's so much stuff. And I think um, speaking to people nowadays, like, yes, people want to earn money. Yes, people want to have a career. But I think people are becoming a bit more conscious of that. Yeah, sure. And especially as like B Corps start to get kind of more recognised, like there's a bit of a shift. So oh, yeah, if you've you actually you got... You recently got certified, didn't you? Yeah, nice. absolutely. I think if you've actually got purpose as a business and a why and it's not just to make loads of cash, yeah. then I think you'll attract people because they might be doing well at another company, but they might actually be really passionate about giving back and diversity. Yeah, yeah. So giving them opportunity to do well and good money, but actually be part of something bigger and get involved with that stuff. I think it's been really good. Yeah, whilst also doing a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. the amazing thing about it. Yeah. So um, what are you excited about? And let's, let's finish there. Like, what are you yeah. excited about then in the future for you and the London team? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we're 13 now. The office capacity is 22. Yeah. So we want to be kind of hitting that probably by like maybe like Q3, Q4. Yeah. And then going again next year, potentially like doubling. But I think just like continuing to build the, the culture in London, continue to kind of actually like build the business as a whole. Mm. Um, excited to like get the meetups active again, like actually in person. Yeah, that'd be good. Because we're running them virtually at the moment. But we had some, 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 some really good fun actually running like physical events in London yeah, and I Bristol. I think definitely people were up for doing that again, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, think it's just like from like a personal perspective, like going on a journey around like getting more experience to the training development from like a graduate perspective. Yeah, nice. Because that's definitely new. And London life, living yeah, the London mate, life. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, Maris, I think clearly you've um, taken the opportunity you had with both hands. Yeah. So kudos to you, mate, and really excited to, to see where the London team is in another year, two years, three years. Awesome, mate. So Thank congrats, you very much. Mate. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Bosh. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform that will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast i hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the recruitment mentors podcast